Good morning. How's everybody doing this morning? Everybody good? You're all still talking. There you go. That's what I like to hear. That's what I like to hear. There we go. All right, so man, it is always an exciting day when we can begin our worship service uh, with baptism. Amen? Amen. Man, what, what, a, what a time. So every person who enters into these waters, uh, many of you have done that. You have a story. Or you have a story of brokenness, of guilt, of death, of sin, of turning your back to God, of rebellion. But thankfully, through Jesus Christ, our story doesn't end there. Right? As you walk into these waters, man, it's a story of, of life. And, and God takes shame and, and turns it to glory and death and brings life and brokenness into healing and gives us salvation and eternal life. And so, man, this is a time of celebration. So this morning we get to do that. Andrew's going to come in just a moment. Um, and he's going he's to declare his allegiance to Jesus Christ, and we're going to rejoice uh, with that. But before we do that, let's pray. Father, in this, in all of this, be glorified. Be glorified, God, in, in Andrew's life. Be glorified, Lord, in, in this baptism. Be glorified in our service. Be glorified through Jesus Christ, we pray. And we ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So this is Andrew. Andrew and I had an opportunity a couple weeks ago to sit down uh, for lunch at Wendy's and just got to hear his story and how God had taken his story and, and is now using it for his glory. And so Andrew shared with me that story and, and how he gave his life to the Lord. And maybe one day you'll have an opportunity to hear that story as well. And so this morning he's coming to declare his allegiance to Jesus Christ. And so uh, do we have any friends or family that are, that are here this morning? If you'll stand. I know the Stantons are over there, and the Stantons have been instrumental. Um, they've been instrumental in, thank you guys, you all can, can be seated, in, in Andrew's life, and so uh, just thankful for that. I mean, you never know who or how God will bring somebody into your life, and we got to be faithful just to pour into them, uh, and so we celebrate with, with that. All right, brother, if you'll step up a little bit, turn this way. Andrew, do you confess this morning to the church, to your friends, to family, anybody watching online, that you have declared that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, Lord and Savior of your life? Do you confess that? Yes. Amen. Amen. And it's based upon that profession of faith, I get to baptize you, my brother, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Buried in Christ, raised to walk in newness of life. Amen, brother. Amen, brother. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. 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 Amen. Amen. God is good. Let me pray, and then we're going to worship together. Lord, thank you for Andrew. Thank you, Lord, for the work that you've done in his life. Lord, sitting across from him at Wendy's, Lord, not only did I see a man who was changed, but, man, I saw a man who was hungry for the Word of God. And Lord, this is the importance of the church. This is the body of Christ. This is what we get to do. As Andrew takes these first steps of professing faith in Jesus, of following you in baptism, now we get to come alongside of him and disciple him and shepherd him and help him to become more like Christ. You've given him the Holy Spirit who now indwells him. Lord, you will teach him and guide him, and we want to partner in that, Lord. So help us to do that. Be glorified in his life. Be glorified in our service. In Jesus' name we pray. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. You'll please stand and sing with us.
be seated. Go ahead, Ms. Gina. Good morning. Welcome to Northside Baptist Church. We are so glad that you are here to worship with us. Man, it is exciting when in one day you get to not only do baptism, but then you get to do the Lord's Supper. And so we're going we're gonna to end the service with an ordinance that God has given us, and we began the service with an ordinance that God has given us. So let me just say welcome. If this is your first time with us here at Northside, maybe your first time tuning in online, man, we're so glad to have you. Thrilled that you uh, would be here. You are our guest. Uh, we want you to feel welcome. We want to answer any questions uh, that you may have. We want to encourage you in any way that we can. And so one way to do that is inside your bulletin is a place for you to fill out some information about yourself. There's also a place for you to list some prayer requests. There's a box right out there in the foyer. You can fill that out and drop that in at the end of the service. Uh, we would greatly appreciate that. Um, as I mentioned, we are doing Lord's Supper. I will explain at the very end of my message. We'll kind of lead into that. Uh, you should have the elements underneath your seat. Thank you to our secretary, Ms. Kim, who, who did all that on Friday. If you don't have one, uh, there are some empty chairs around you. So the next time we stand and sing, if there's not one under your seat, if somebody took it, uh, feel free to, uh, to go get those. And again, I'll instruct you on that. It's going to look a little bit different, uh, but we're still going to take it together, and I believe it can be worshipful. Let me just point out a couple things. One, there's an announcement in there about Sunday school. Man, the Lord convicted me over the last week on three different, three different instances, conversations, something I watched on Friday, uh, of we don't emphasize Sunday school enough. And that ultimately falls on me as the pastor. And so this is something you're going to see hopefully in the bulletin more, uh, something that I will emphasize more, that if you are not in a Sunday school class, a small group that meets on Sunday mornings, we want to encourage you to get plugged in. Like Andrew took the first steps this morning. And you're like, okay, so what's next? How do I get plugged in? I believe that's ultimately continuing to worship with us, but then getting in a small group, a Sunday school class, where you can build relationships and you're sitting under the teaching of God's Word. So if you are not involved in that, man, get involved. I can't plead with you enough to get into Sunday school class. You'll also notice uh, the membership class. Uh, we're going to do that on September 13th after the morning worship service. So if you have joined Northside or you're thinking about joining Northside, you have to go through a new members class. So we're going to do that after the worship service. We'll meet in the fellowship hall. Lunch will be provided. We'll meet for about an hour and a half. Um, my lovely wife was voluntold. She also volunteered that she's going to watch any kids that we may have. So if you have kids, she's going to hang out with them and, and love on them. And there's a packet uh, that we typically would go through during Sunday school for five or six weeks. But because of lack of space and, and because of COVID, we're just going to do it on one Sunday morning. So I've got the packets up here. So if you're planning on going through the class, see me today, and I'll get you that, and you can read through that in the next couple weeks. Uh, one other uh, announcement. I was told that somebody has an anniversary this week. Curtis and Ann have an anniversary this week. How long will you all be, have been married? Get this right, brother. Not long enough. <laughs> good, good answer. How long? Six, 60 years. 60 years. Celebrate with him. Praise God for that. Let me ask you another question. I may be out of the camera. Sorry, I go too far. Uh, how many years have you all been in ministry together? Has it been almost 60? Clo pretty close. So their entire life, man, their marriage, they've been serving the Lord in, in music. Man, we love you guys and so thankful for you all. And give them another round of a, not only for their marriage, but their ministry. For their ministry. So we all have a, have a good week, and I know you had a good week this past week, and just praise God for, for you all. I don't have a scripture that I'm going to put on the screen this morning, but I do just want to read a verse from 1 Corinthians 11. This is in the context of Paul writing to the church in Corinth about uh, the Lord's Supper, and, and he says this in verse 28. He says, let a person examine himself then, and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. Let us examine ourselves. So will you take just a moment right there where you are, just to begin to examine your heart, just to say, Spirit of God, search me, know me. Uh, is there any sin in you that you need to confess before we, we remember Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection together? If there's anything, you confess that, and then I will I will pray, and then we'll sing it together again.
Father, thank you for the celebrations that you've given us in your life, in this life. Or thank you for, for marriages, right, and anniversaries, and, and Curtis and Ann and their 60th anniversary. And Lord, we just thank you for how, Lord, they've used their marriage, not only to pour into each other, their children, but Lord, also to pour into the church. Lord, the Lord's Supper, part of it is it's a celebration. Paul says that we'll eat of the, the bread and drink of the cup and we'll, we'll proclaim this until Jesus comes. God, that's a celebration to know that you're coming for your bride, you're coming for your sons and your daughters. And so we're going to continue to be obedient to that and to eat and to drink until you come. And we're going to proclaim the gospel until you come. But Lord, we also come this morning, Lord, wanting to examine our hearts. We don't want to eat or drink in a way that dishonors you. Lord, we don't want to eat of the bread as we think about your sacrifice for us and as we think about your shed blood for us, the, the blood that covers our sins. Lord, we don't want to continue to live in those sins, to claim the blood, but then to live as if we don't really believe the blood cleanses us and that the Spirit of God changes us. So God, as we sing a couple more songs here this morning, Lord, will you just prepare our hearts for the preaching of your word? Lord, as we declare praise him, praise him, as we sing, my Jesus, I love thee, Oh, I pray these aren't just words, but that they're actually the, the deepest longings of our heart. To live our life in a way in which you receive the glory and declare, Jesus, we love you. Oh, God, be glorified in all of this. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you stand? Let's continue to worship together. Praise him, praise him, Jesus, our blessed redeemer. After a song like that, it has to be Jesus, I love thee. Jesus, I love thee. My Jesus, I love thee. I know thou art mine. For thee, all the follies of sin, I resign.
your Bibles to 1 John chapter 2, as we remain standing in honor of the reading of God's holy, authoritative, inspired word, 1 John chapter 2. We're going to finish out this section that we've been in for the last couple of weeks. We're going to begin in verse 24 and work our way through Verse 27, this is what the word of the Lord says. Let what you heard from the beginning abide in you. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, then you too will abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he made to us, eternal life. I write these things to you about those who are trying to deceive you, but the anointing that you receive from him abides in you, and you have no need that anyone should teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about everything and is true and is no lie, just as it is taught you, abide in him. You may be seated. There was a word in those verses that appeared five times. Did anybody catch the word that John uses five times? He also uses it again in verse 28. Anybody catch that word? Abide. It's the word abide. The Greek word is mino. It appears five times here in verses 24 through 27, again in verse 28. In verse 24 in the Greek, it, it appears in the imperative. It says, let what you heard from the beginning abide in you. When, when a verb is in the imperative form, that means it's a command. We're commanded to let the word abide in us. And then in the last part of verse 27, he uses the word again in the imperative, just as it is taught you, abide in him. So again, something, someone is to abide in us. That's an imperative. Lao and Ida, in their Greek lexicon, write, the word abide means to remain in the same place over a period of time. It means to remain or to stay. I had mentioned a couple of weeks ago that what John's doing here is he's identifying some false teachers, right? He calls them the Antichrist in verses 18. Verse 19, he lets us know, hey, they were among us. They once were with us, maybe even teaching in the church, but they've since walked away. They've abandoned us, revealing that they never knew Jesus to begin with. He then tells us, as we saw last week, that what they're denying is that Jesus is the Christ. That's why they're anti-opposed to Christ, because they're denying that Jesus is the Christ, and then what he does in verses 24 and following is he gives us two safeguards to help us overcome false teaching. How can we remain steadfast? How can we in a world where it seems more and more people are walking away from Jesus or teaching a Jesus that is opposed to the Gospels or opposed to the Jesus we see in the Word of God, how do we recognize that and remain steadfast? So two safeguards. These are commands. We are to abide in both of these. Number one, he says we are to abide in the Word. We are to abide in the Word. Abide in the Word. Let me give you a doctrine and then uh, an application. Here's a doctrine for you, and that is this. The authority of the Word of God. The authority of the word of God. Look what John says here in verse 24. Let what you heard from the beginning abide in you. Let what you heard from the beginning abide in you. John here is emphasizing to them the importance of the apostolic teaching. Right? There were disciples. There were 12 of them. Scripture also refers to them as apostles. Someone who had seen Jesus, had seen the resurrected Jesus. We also know Paul was the apostle Paul because he saw the resurrected Jesus on the road to Damascus. They're apostles and they are teaching. And what John is saying is, listen, you are to hold fast to what you have heard. Well, what have they heard? They heard John teaching the gospel, teaching about Christ. And John had heard it. Who did John hear it from? Jesus. Right? John was an eyewitness, a disciple, an apostle of Jesus. John said, look, I heard him with my ears. I saw him with my eyes. The gospel that I gave to you, that I taught you, that which you heard from the beginning 
abide in you. He's saying, listen, you began with the gospel. Continue in the gospel. Church, we will never advance beyond the gospel. We need the gospel every single day of our life. That's how we began this walk. Through the good news of Jesus Christ, his death, burial, and resurrection, who he is and what he has done for us. And we continue in this. Now, why is he saying this? Because these false teachers are claiming to have this gnosis, this special knowledge, this special revelation. As they've left the church, they're now teaching, trying to pluck from the, those who remained out, and they've got this teaching, and John is refuting it. It's as if they're saying, hey, hey, hey you all, we have this, this special teaching, this special revelation from God that the apostles don't even have. We have something that John doesn't have. And what we have will revolutionize your life. What we have to offer you will change your life. They are claiming a new truth. They are claiming a new revelation from God. And what is John saying? He's saying, wait a minute. You don't need new truth. You don't need a new revelation. What you heard from the beginning, that's the gospel. And that's what you are to remain in. Don't get deceived by this new truth. What we need, church, is for the truth which we already know, the Word of God, to become active and defective in our lives. We need the Word of God to be effective and active in our lives. Titus chapter 1, verse 9. This is written to elders, to pastors. And it says this, he, an elder, a pastor, must hold firm to the trustworthy word. So the word that they have heard is trustworthy. And it says to the trustworthy word as taught. So he's saying, listen, you were taught the word, hold fast to that trustworthy word. And then he says this, so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict it. As your pastor... I am to hold fast to the trustworthy word of God. And I am to preach the word of God and the doctrines of God. And then I am to rebuke those who contradict it. Man, I, I read a, an incredible tweet, and I'm going off script. Somebody said last week, man, I've been praying for you that you may feel more comfortable to go off script. So I'm going off script. This is what you get. Uh, see if I can even remember what it was. But he was talking about in today's world that what's going to happen are a lot of Christians are going to begin to leave the church and they're going to go look for a couple different things. Some Christians will say, listen, the pastor's not woke enough. He's not preaching enough on these justice, social justice issues. He doesn't talk about it every week. So I'm leaving this church to go find a church who will talk about it more. And other Christians will leave a church and say, look, I'm leaving this church because my pastor doesn't talk about country enough. My pastor doesn't talk about the flag enough. My pastor doesn't talk about America enough. And so therefore, I'm leaving this church to go find a church where the pastor is going to put country right up there with God. Let me just tell you, if you're looking for a pastor who's going to force country or this woke culture into a text, that's not me. I'm not here. To preach country to you. I'm here to preach Jesus to you. And I'm not here. Thank you. I appreciate that. Right? And, I, and I'm not here just to force issues into a passage of scripture. Look, if, the, if it's there, if, if the text can apply to it, I'll address it. But if you're looking for that, you've come to the wrong place. I'm going to preach the text. I'm going to point you to Jesus over and over and over. And when we do that, when we, when we preach the doctrines... We also need to be able to rebuke that which is false. So how can you recognize false teaching? Well, it's simple math. And, I, and I've got just a picture up there. It's simple math. All cults and all false religions seek to change God's word. Right? So, so you see just some math symbols. The one on the furthest left, what does that mean? It means to add. So you have false teachers who will add to the word of God. This is what Mormonism does. Joseph Smith. You have the Word of God, but then you have the Book of Mormon on top of that. They've added 
to the inspired, complete, authoritative Word of God. So some will add to the Word of God. Others will, what's the next one? Subtract. They will subtract from the Word of God. We talked about this last week. Some will take Jesus and reduce Him. They'll say He is not God. So they'll reduce Him. They'll seek to subtract from Jesus. The next symbol, multiply. Other false teachers will seek to multiply the requirements of salvation. There are some who believe you must be baptized to be saved. That if you give your life to Jesus and then die in a car wreck before you're baptized, you're not going to heaven. There are some who believe that baptism is Jesus plus fill in the blank. Salvation is Jesus, period. We're not going to add to that. So Andrew, when he got in the waters, wasn't lost. And then once he was dunked, was saved. He was already a child of God before he got in there. He was just declaring to you, I now belong to Jesus. So they multiply or they seek to divide. They seek to divide the loyalty of the member, to divide a congregation. That's what the false teachers are seeking to do here. They're seeking to divide. They're seeking to divide over Jesus. So listen, we have the Word of God. This is the authority of the Word of God. This has authority over our life. And so if we're going to remain steadfast and hold fast and resist false teaching, we've got to abide in the Word of God. Notice, secondly here, the application of this. And that is this. If you want to stay anchored in a storm, then you must stay anchored in the Word of God. Stephen Cole says the gospel is not only a set of doctrines to agree to, but a personal relationship with the living God through faith in Jesus Christ. The gospel is about a relationship with Jesus Christ, and Christ has revealed himself in the flesh to the disciples who now have written it down for us, and it has been preserved over centuries right, for the glory of God. And we have that word, and we are to hold fast to the word of God. Hear me. A crisis will reveal what you really believe. There's just been a, a massive storm hurricane blow blow in to, to the United States, right? Louisiana, Texas, other parts affected, right? When a hurricane's coming, uh, you, you try to secure things. You try to anchor them down. You do the best you can, and sometimes it's still not enough, right? A tornado, a, a massive winds, they will still destroy what you tried to anchor. So you have people anchoring it down. Listen, a crisis is going to come into your life. Maybe it already has. A doctor will say cancer, or you may lose your job, and lose your home, lose your health insurance, right? You, you may lose your health. You may have a spouse walk out on you and abandon you. You may have to go through death of a spouse or death of a child, right? You will go through a crisis at some point. Abiding in the Word of God now, before you get into the crisis, will help you, will anchor you, so that when you go through the crisis, you're not so quick to blame God or abandon Him. But your faith in Christ is rock solid because you've been abiding in the Word of God. So abide in the Word. Adhere to it. Guard it. Believe it. Live in it. Let it live in you. Cherish it. Proclaim it. Let it shape your thoughts and your deeds. Abide in the Word. Then look what he says, verse 24. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, then you too will abide in the Son and in the Father. Look at verse 25. And this is the promise that he made to us. What's the promise? Eternal life. That's the promise that Jesus has made to us eternal life. Church, could there be any greater news? That we can have eternal life, which is a free gift to any guilty sinner who will receive Jesus Christ by faith. Man, abide in the word. Give your life to Christ. Jesus says you will receive eternal life. Notice the second thing this morning. Not only are you to abide in the word, but you are to abide in the Spirit. Look what he says, verse 26. I write these things to you about those who are trying to deceive you, but the anointing that you received from him abides in you, and you have no need that anyone should teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about everything and is true and is no lie, just as it is taught you, abide in him. So let me give you another doctrine, and that is simply this, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. The indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Look what John says. I write these things to, to you about those who are trying to deceive you, but the anointing that you receive from him. We have received this anointing. What is this anointing? 
Well, if you go back to verse 20, it says, But you have been anointed by the Holy One, and you all have knowledge. You go to the last part of verse 27. It says, Just as it is taught you, abide in Him. What is this anointing? Well, John, first of all, is speaking of a person. Not a force, not a power, but a person. Because he says, abide in him. And here, he is speaking of the Holy Spirit. That we are anointed, filled, and dwelt by the Holy Spirit. Now, this is important. Because not all Christians agree on this. There are some who believe that when you confess faith in Jesus Christ, you are saved... But at that moment, you do not receive the Holy Spirit. That the Holy Spirit doesn't come until a later second act or second experience of grace, which is often manifested by speaking in tongues. So I remember when I was a youth pastor, we were having a revival. And sometimes right off the bat, you know, hey, this is going to be a good revival. And sometimes the preacher, and you're like, I just don't know about this. Man, my first impression, it, it wasn't real strong. I'll just be honest. But I was a youth pastor, so you know, I didn't have part-time. But I didn't really think I could say anything. And so I just went along. And one night came, and he's doing the invitation. And I knew from the get-go what he was going to do. He was trying to manipulate. He was trying to get people just to come to say a prayer. And we had a bus ministry at this church. We probably had 20 kids sitting on the first couple rows who were unchurched. None of their parents were there. And the invitation starts, and they start flocking to the front. And I'm like, oh my goodness, what a, what a, how can you, when there's 20 kids and it's the pastor and you, how can you really counsel all of these kids? Did all of those kids in that moment give their life to the Lord? Probably not. Probably not. But after the service was over, there was a young lady in her 20s, and she came right up to me. And she said, you know those kids weren't saved. I said, ma'am, I don't really know that or not. Like, it's not for me to judge. I don't know their heart. Maybe they were. Maybe, no, she's like, no, they weren't saved. It's like, how can you be so emphatic? And here's what she said. Because they haven't received the Holy Spirit yet. I said, what do you mean they haven't received the Holy Spirit yet? She said, because they can't speak in tongues. They don't have the Spirit of God. Therefore, they're not saved. I was like, ma'am, that's not biblical. Like, that's not what the Word of God teaches. That's not what it teaches at all. Listen to Ephesians 1.13. It says, In him you also, listen to the language, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, listen to this, and believed in him. Nothing about speaking in tongues. It says, and believed in him were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. So when do you receive the Holy Spirit? When you believe. Not at a later time. When you believe. Listen to what Jesus said. John 14, 26. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. So this is important. Every one of us, if you have put your faith in Jesus Christ, you have at this moment the Spirit of God in you. It, it indwells in you, and that is important because of what John is about to write. Verse 27. But the anointing that you receive from him abides in you, and you have no need that anyone should teach you. Hmm. Interesting. Is John teaching that as a Christian, as he's writing to these people in the church who are trying to be deceived and he says to them, look you don't have any need that anyone anyone should teach you is john saying you do not need pastors you don't need teachers you don't need to sit under the preaching of god's word you don't need to go to sunday school you don't got to listen to guys on tv if that's the case fire me and go home because why are you here if you don't need anyone to teach you is that what John's saying? And the answer is no. Well, how do we know that? Well, first of all, we know that Scripture teaches the importance of pastors and teachers. Ephesians 4, 11 through 12 says, And he gave the apostles, he gave the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and he gave teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry for building up the body of Christ. So we would know Scripture would refute the interpretation that you don't need to sit under teaching. But I think there's even a more logical explanation. What is John doing through writing this letter to these people? He's teaching them. 
So if he really believed you don't need any teaching, then what is John doing writing and teaching them? So as they receive this letter and as they hear this read, I don't believe they walk away from this going, well, you won't see me again. I don't need to be here. So then what is John's point? John is not saying you don't need godly teachers. What he is saying is, listen, you don't need this secret truth, this secret gnosis that these false teachers are claiming that they have. You don't need some other special anointing or some special revelation. Why don't they need that? Because they have the indwelling of the Spirit of God. So before we get to the application, let me say this. For some of you who are maybe struggling, thinking, look, man, the Word of God is hard to read. I've had two or three people say that in the last couple weeks. Man, it's hard to read the Word of God. Amen. It's not always easy. But here's what you have. You have the third person of the Trinity, the Spirit of God, in you, who will help you understand what you're reading. What that means is you don't need me. Like, if you think the only reason we have Pastor Aaron is because I can't understand the Word of God and I won't understand it apart from him, you don't need me. You don't need a Sunday school teacher. If you have the Bible and you're in some remote village, you can still know the Word of God because the Spirit of God is there in them. Now, does that mean you don't need a teacher? Like, you don't need to come to church anymore? Like, you can turn off the live feed right now? No. I think it is absolutely vital in our life that we sit under the preaching of God's Word, that we sit under the teaching of God's Word. I think it's absolutely vital that we watch videos from Right Now Media that teach the Word of God. I think it is good and helpful and beneficial that you have a, a study Bible on hand or some commentaries that after, after, don't run to them first, after you've read, after you've prayed, after you've sought the Spirit of God, that you then consult a teacher, a pastor, a friend, to say, hey, man, I just want to make sure I'm not out in right field somewhere. Is this what the Word of God is actually teaching? So those things are helpful and important, but ultimately, you have the Spirit of God. Look, I can preach and pre I can prepare all week long. I can give up, get up here and I can preach the most dynamic message possible. And if the Spirit of God doesn't work in your heart and your life, it will fall on deaf ears. And you'll walk out of here going, huh? We need the Spirit of God. To help us to understand the Word of God. And then here's the application. Therefore, you and I need to yield to the Spirit of God. Hear me very clearly. The Spirit of God will never contradict the Word of God. So if you say, well, the Spirit of God is leading me to do this. Okay. Does it contradict the Word of God? Because if it does, it ain't the Spirit. It's the flesh. The Spirit of God will never lead you to contradict the Word of God. And, and here, this is important in this area, because I'm seeing this a lot. Somebody will say, we talked about this confession last week, Jesus is the Christ. They'll say, okay, I'll, I'll buy that. He's the Son of God. Okay, I, I'll believe that. He's my Savior. Man, I want Jesus to save me. I want the blood. I want to get out of hell card for free. I'll believe that. But when it comes to Jesus being Lord of their life, they kick back. They want him, fine, Christ, Son of God, Savior, but I don't want him to be Lord of my life. I don't want his word and him telling me how I have to live my life. But hear me, the Spirit of God will never lead you to declare Jesus to be Savior and not your Lord. He must be both, both Savior and Lord of your life. Michael Reeves, in his book on delighting in the Trinity, says this, We all come into the world spiritual stillborn, dead in our transgression and sins. Death here, of course, doesn't mean non-existence. Rather, it is that like Adam and Eve, our hearts are turned from the Lord. Our hearts were turned away from the Lord. We seek and love other things, anything but the Lord. We were living in rebellion to the Lord. And then the Spirit of God gives us life. He causes us to be born again to a living hope, Peter says. Right? We are transformed and changed. And so, hear me, the Spirit of God who gives life sticks around in your life to help you blossom and grow. The Spirit of God right now, if you are a believer, indwells you. So here's the question. Are you, am I, yielding, yielding to the Spirit of God? Now listen to the words of C.H. Spurgeon. It is ever the Holy Spirit's work to turn our eyes away from self to Jesus. But Satan's work is just the opposite of this. For he is constantly trying to make us regard ourselves instead of Christ. 
We shall never find happiness by looking at our prayers, our doings, or our feelings. It is what Jesus is, not what we are, that gives rest to the soul. If we would at once overcome Satan and have peace with God, it must be by looking unto Jesus. So this morning, I'm going to call you to look unto Jesus. Are you abiding in the Word? Is the Word abiding in you? Are you abiding in the Spirit? Is the Spirit abiding in you? Are you allowing the Spirit to to control your life? Are you yielding to the Spirit? And then I'm going to call you in just a moment through the Lord's Supper to look to Jesus. To look to Jesus. In just a couple minutes, we're, we're going to eat this bread and we're going to drink from this cup. And as we do that, we are looking to Jesus. There is, there is a part of us that is going to remember. A part of us that is going to remember the sacrifice of Jesus upon the cross. His body that was, that was broken, right? his flesh that was ripped in, uh, to shreds, and the blood that freely flowed. We're going to remember that. But what we're also going to do, the Bible says in 1 John, verse 26... It says, for as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So not only are we going to remember, but we're going to look forward. We're going to look forward to knowing that as we eat and drink, Jesus has promised he's coming for his bride. He's coming for us. And we are to be a people who are feasting upon Jesus Christ every single day of our lives. Let me, let me tell you what this is going to look like. In just a moment... Uh, I'm just going to play a song. Usually, uh, you know, Ann would, would play the music and, and the, the elements would be passed, and you would have a moment to kind of prepare your heart to reflect upon the message, to think upon the sacrifice of Jesus, uh, to confess any sins. And so, what we're going to do is I'm just going to play you a song. If you went to camp, uh, you heard this song, we sang it multiple times. It, it's talking about not my will, but your will be done. The second verse talks about the cross. The third verse talks about the resurrection. The fourth fourth verse uses this word overcome. We overcome through Christ. The church will overcome. And so as the song is played, I just want you to prepare your hearts. And a couple minutes into the song, I'm also going to ask you to prepare the elements. Just a a tip, you may want to start by opening the bread first and then opening the juice. Don't drink or eat yet. Just, Just sit tight. Hold on to it, but be prepared because after the song, I will lead us in a time uh, that we will do that. Hear me. Do you know Jesus Christ? And if you don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of your life, there's nothing for you to remember this morning. Well, you can eat the bread and drink the cup, but it doesn't signify anything because you have never trusted and believed in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of your life. So if you've never done that, let me encourage you man, to give your life to Jesus right now. Give your life to Jesus. Confess your sins. Put your faith in Jesus. And then I would invite you to eat of the bread and drink of the cup. But if you have never done that, I'm just going to ask you to abstain from from eating and drinking with us because you cannot remember something you have never personally received and experienced into your life. If you're a believer in Christ, man, let me encourage you to eat and drink with us as we reflect upon the sacrifice of Jesus, what he has done for us, and he is worthy of our praise. So let me pray. After I'm done praying, uh, the song will play, and you just prepare your hearts. Father, we read in Scripture where your Son, our Christ, our Lord and Savior, was in that garden. Understanding that he was about to give of his life upon a cross. But also understanding that the sins of the world, my sins, will be placed upon him. He who knew no sin will become sin for me. That I might know the righteousness of Christ and be declared righteous. Father, in that garden, Jesus said, not my will, Father, but your will be done. Lord, this morning we want to say the same thing. As we yield to the Spirit of God, as we yield to the Word of God in our lives, we want to say, Father, not my will, but your will be done. Lord, prepare our hearts that before we eat of the bread and drink of the cup, we can say we've humbled ourselves before you. We've confessed sin. We've turned our eyes to Christ. And we are feasting upon you, Jesus. Feasting upon you. God, use this song to prepare our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen.
disciples. He said, this is my body. This would represent his body that would be beaten and broken for us. And he said, this is my body which is given for you. Do this as often as you eat it in remembrance of me. in the same way he also took the cup after supper and saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood he said this cup was a new covenant they were living what would be under the old covenant the law but now jesus was off was ushering in this new covenant and how would one enter into the new covenant it would be through the shedding of the blood of jesus christ apart from the shedding of jesus blood there is no remission for our sins so as we drink this in just a second we are Confessing that it is only 
through the shed blood of Jesus Christ that we have any standing before God the Father. So Jesus said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Paul goes on to say, for as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Father, will we just one last time before we're dismissed in, in, a, in a moment, Lord, just want to yield our hearts and our lives to the Spirit of God. Spirit, move in us. As we leave here, Lord, help us to be more equipped to overcome false teaching. Help us to be more passionate to abide in the Word and to abide in the Spirit of God. And we ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Two quick announcements before Paul comes and closes us out with a word of prayer. Number one, if you want a new member's booklet, I've got seven copies and I'll have more made next week. Uh, figured one per family, one per household, and, and you all can share. So see me. I'll have them out there in the foyer. Just come by and say, hey, can I have one of those books? One other thing to ask of you, if you will please take your trash um, and, and maybe somebody can grab a garbage can. Uh, there's one right there. Uh, David's got it for us. And if you'll just throw those away uh, for us. Don't forget about Awana tonight. Uh, Awana, we have uh, a Bible study that David leads as well that we'll meet in here. And so I want to encourage you to come, uh, be involved, be engaged, and uh, go forth today with our eyes on Jesus. If you'll stand, Paul, will you come and dismiss us with a word of prayer? faces back in church thank you for our church staff for Aaron and BJ and uh, all who helped them and Lord thank you for Andrew coming today get baptized and uh, remind us all of that day that you called us and thank you for this communion this Lord's Supper we just took part in that uh, remind us of uh, all the areas where we've failed you and we need to work on and clean up in our lives please help us to do that and uh we we'll just praise you for all you give us in jesus name amen